Good morning. Yeah, welcome. Good morning and welcome to North Boulevard Church of Christ. It's uh, been a while since we've had this many people in the, in the pews at one time. So if your uh, pew is a little extra dusty, sorry, it just is what it is. You can wash those clothes when you get home. But we're glad you're here this morning. Uh, there's still a lot of us, there are a lot of people who are still at home. They're watching online, they're watching on Facebook Live or YouTube, and, uh, and they're still part of us. Uh, they might not be here on the orange carpet or on the orange pews, and they're on their own orange car- uh, couches at home. Um, if you haven't been here in a while, um, a couple things have changed a little bit, and I'll kind of walk you through some of this stuff. Communion, we've got little glass bottles with grape juice in them, and we've got little crackers that come in a Ziploc bag. We've got those out in the foyer. So pick those up on your way in. We're not going to pass out communion. It'll just be already have it. So uh, at the same time, uh, we're going to pray for it. We're still going to do communion. You'll just do it from your seat. The offering, we're going to have an offering prayer. We have four boxes mounted on the back wall. You can put your uh, checks in those, whichever one fits you. Uh, For college football fans, we have Tennessee, we have Florida. I don't know if that's Alabama or Oklahoma. uh, Yes, whichever. Ohio State. I believe it might be Indiana University. So, um, yeah, we got Florida State on the side, and if you don't like any of that, um, just hand it to an elder. That's fine too. So, on your way out. Um, that's a couple of the differences. Another difference is. With the video and the audio, today the microphones are very hot. Some days they just are. I don't know why. We just never figured that out, but we're trying to work with it. Because of the video and audio that we're doing with live stream for people at home, there may be some dead air sometimes as we try to, especially like that. I'm the video guy today. So if I'm up here, there ain't nobody back there. So I'll try to walk back there. You might find a little dead air. Um, it should be everything it's always been. So. Um, Let's start it off with a prayer. Dear Lord, we're thankful to be your family. We're thankful for your love, which was uh, there before creation. We're thankful for your plan to send your son, that he would uh, ultimately walk on this earth, serve as a perfect example. He would uh, face sin, yet never yield to it. He would ultimately offer himself as a sacrifice, the sacrifice to appease you, to sacrifice to wash away our sins. Father, we're thankful that he... uh, died on that cross, was buried in a cave for three days. We're thankful for the power that he overcame death and gives us the hope that we can too. Father, we're thankful for lives that are different than the day that we put on Christ, lives that are different and always look toward reuniting with you in heaven forever. Father, we ask that you bless each one of us today as we hear from your word, as we worship you in song, as we give as you have prospered us, as we remember your son's sacrifice with the Lord's Supper, and as we talk to you directly with prayer. Father, please be with each of us. Um, We love you. We're thankful. In his name we pray. Amen.
have advanced into the year 2021 with all of our live streaming and technology back there. It's, uh, it can be a little overwhelming at times. <laughs> so we got to give them time to get the settings right and all that kind of thing before we do particular things. So if it doesn't look like we know what we're doing, we, we do, maybe. <laughs> All right, let's start this morning by singing number three, Hallelujah, Praise Jehovah. We'll sing the first and the third verse, and then we'll be led in prayer. Hallelujah, praise Jehovah, from the heavens praise his name, praise Jehovah in the stars on high. Praise him, O ye have heavens, and ye floods above the sky. Let them praise his give Jehovah for his name Join me in prayer. Dear Father in heaven, we're so thankful for you, so thankful for the love and the compassion you have in sending your son, that on this day your son brought in the kingdom that we all could be part of, an eternal kingdom, Father. So many blessings you've given us, things that we need in this world, but the hope that we have through your son we're so thankful, Father, that we could come together again, all together again, to worship you, 
but also to be uplifted by one another, Father. Help us, strengthen us, Father, and be with us that we strengthen each other, that we grow in your love, that we grow in the light. It's in Christ's name we pray. We're going to set our minds upon Christ's sacrifice and the Lord's Supper as we sing 344, Low in the Grave He Lay. We'll sing the first and the third verse. Low in the morning, I would like to read from Matthew 28, verses 1 through 6. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to, draw, to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothes white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where he lay. We know that Jesus died. We know how he died. We know the cruel death that it was. We know what he said on the cross. We know where his tomb was. 
we know that it was sealed. The three words that the angel uttered, he is risen, is why we are here today. But not just he is risen, he is risen as he said. That's our beginning. That's why we are here. Will you pray with me, please? Most Holy Father, we are so thankful for your love in sending your Son to this earth to die for our sins so that we have a hope of eternal life with you. Father, as we partake of, of this bread which represents his body, we ask you to help us to think carefully to do our humanly best ability to try and fully understand all that has been done for us. This we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Will you bow with me, please? Fathers, we partake of this fruit of the vine, which represents the blood our Savior willingly shed for us. We think back from what we've read. We try to understand the pain and the suffering. But Father, he is risen. And the fact that he rose, as he said, is what we need most to remember as we try our best to serve you every day on this earth. Be with us, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. So many times after the after the Lord's Supper, the person that comes back up here will say, "This is a convenient time that we've set aside to together to, to the together to, to the offering," and that's because we have four people that are standing up here that have just passed out the plates and and they're prepared to, to pass out the, the for the communion. But even though today we're not going to pass out our little filthy plates around for people to. To touch and stuff we're going to go ahead and and we do want to have a prayer and and thank god for for all that he's given us and, and all that he's done so w will you pray with me our god and our father we're so thankful for for all that you've done for us in this life we're so thankful for the opportunity that we can have that we can come here and and we can gather today with, with one another that, that our lives have been spared over the past year from the, from the COVID. We pray that you'll continue to look over us and, and continue to help us prosper as, as only you know how. And at this time, Father, we'd like to return a portion of, the, of what you've given to us 
that, that it may be used to, to help continue to, for the church here to grow and it may be able to, to, to use for the, to, to help the other people in our community as, as we give, help us to do so in a manner that's pleasing and acceptable to you. In Christ's holy name we pray. Before Brother Matt brings us the lesson for this morning, let us stand as we sing 875. Happy Easter, everyone. It's a nice day. Nice day. I'll tell you, it's been a long time since church has been this full. And y'all know what happens when that happens to me. I get fired up. I'm fired up today. I'm up here catching goosebumps every song. It hasn't been that. It's been a long time since I heard the church full like that, singing like that, man. What a beautiful way to start the day. So we're going to continue our sermon series that we've been doing for those who have been coming every Sunday and been, and been tuning in out there in, in Cyberland, and we're going to continue our series, but we're going to jump ahead today because we can't, we can't ignore Easter, can we? We're going to go ahead and jump ahead a little bit, so I'm going to give you probably the most important part of the whole sermon series today, and then we're going to go backwards again. Remember this, the Lord is faithful. You can take him at his word and you can trust him more than you can even trust yourself. Let me tell you something, there's very few things in life 
people in general that you can trust with your life more than yourself. I'm telling you God is one of those, one of those things, one of those entities, okay? And when he says something, it's going to happen. Now, we have been, we have been going through the, the, the history of Israel, Okay, and we've been showing the good, the bad, and the ugly. We have not been sugarcoating any of it. And remember, when we're talking about Israel, when we're talking about the Jews, when we're talking about God's people, we're looking at it not as a race, not as a culture, not as a certain group of people. We're looking at it as the story of humanity, the story of us. If you take the entire story of Israel, you can look at that group of people in their history and you can relate it to your own life, right? We've all had good days and bad days. We've all had our ups and our downs. We've all had the times where we've had amazing victory and we've all had times where we've suffered defeat. We've all had times where we got off the path. We've all felt unredeemable. But we've been focusing on this series about how specific God's word is. Look, I tell you this right now because it will benefit you. Take every single word in that book. When something stands out, look into it. Figure out why it stands out. And you will learn so much more about what God is trying to tell you through his word. I'm going to show you a couple of those today. But we go all the way back to Genesis 3. This is actually one of the places we started our series at. This is one of the first promises of God. This is right after man and woman have sinned. They've eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and they have come before God, and they realize they're naked, and God gives them clothes, and then he starts distributing out basically curses. This is what's going to happen because you have sinned. This is the curse that he gives the serpent, the snake, in the garden that led Adam and Eve to sin. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Now, who's the serpent in the garden? Does anybody know? Of course we know. It's the devil. It's Satan. It's evil incarnate. That's what it is. Okay? And he is telling evil, he is telling Satan right at the beginning of the story, right at the beginning of history, right at the beginning of time, he is saying, look, you're going to cause damage. You're going to cause damage, right? You're going to strike him on the heel. Being man. But he's going to strike you on the head. Which one would you rather have? A blow to the heel or a blow to the head? Unless you're Achilles, you're probably good with the heel shot, right? But nobody wants to get hit in the head. What's going to do more damage? So to me, when I read this scripture, I understand something that we're going to see throughout all the context of scripture. I understand that Satan knew right from the beginning that his days were numbered, that the plan of God was not in his interest, that something had to change or Satan was going to be defeated. He's going to cause damage, but he can never win. And we see that. We've seen that through the decay that we've been discussing. We see that through the decay of God's people to where God's people literally at the point where we're at, where we left off in the Old Testament. God's people are no longer God's people. God's people are godless. That's what they are. 
The people of God are no different than everybody else in the world. They've taken on the false idols. They've taken on the false practices of worship. They've done atrocities. Okay? They start, we start out in Egypt and they're begging to be saved from slavery. What have they done? They've become slave masters. We can get into the horrific things, but it's Easter and there's a lot of kids, so I'm not going to do that today. So in steps Jesus. We're going to fast forward. In steps Jesus, the Messiah, the chosen one, the Son of Man. In steps Jesus, right? And when Jesus comes, understand this. Satan doesn't know the whole plan. Satan doesn't know how everything's going to work out, but he certainly knows this. He knows the things that have been said, that have been foretold about Jesus. He knows the things that Jesus has to meet to really be the Messiah. He knows the prophecies just like everybody else knows the prophecies, okay? So he knows where he's going to be born. He knows the life that he's going to live, the decisions that he's going to make. He knows how to spot the Messiah. You don't believe me? Luke 4. Why is Satan there? Why is Satan there during Jesus' 40-day fast? Why is he there? If he doesn't know who Jesus is, why is he there? Okay? Now I want you to think about it from this point too. Remember, we've been studying Israel and the history of Israel and the history of Judah. We've been studying it because it reveals Satan's playbook for the world. His playbook has not changed, people. The temptations in the Bible that we talk about 2,000 years ago are still the temptations we all deal with today. The playbook has not changed. The way he goes about it's a little different. But the playbook hasn't changed. Now I want you to realize, Israel has gotten to the point to where at this point in time, not only has the Messiah come, but there's really not much left for Israel to do against God. There's really not much left. And Satan's time is running out because now the Messiah is here. And what is coming for Satan, he knows is coming in this lifetime of Jesus Christ. So he's only got a couple things left to do. He's only got a couple bags left, a couple tricks left in his bag. He's only got a couple of things left before his time is out. Luke 4 is the first part of his plan. First, he tries to get Jesus to sin. Why does he try to get Jesus to sin? Because the prophecies say that the sacrifice of the Messiah has to be a perfect sacrifice. It has to come from a sinless being, an unblemished lamb. Not just any lamb, an unblemished lamb. And the only unblemished lamb that has ever lived, according to scriptures, is Jesus Christ. That's it. He's the only one who could have done it. So he starts, and he's at the end of his fast, and, 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 G, and Satan says to him, hey, I know you're hungry. It's been 40 days since you ate last. There's rocks everywhere. I know you can turn these rocks to bread. Why don't you turn these rocks to bread and just go ahead and eat? Just get it over with. I know you're hungry. And Jesus obviously quotes Scripture. He says, man can't live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So he can't get him to sin. 
then what's he do? Verse 5, Luke chapter 4 says, And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory. For it has been delivered to me and I give it to, you, to whom I will. Realize what Satan is saying right there. He's taking him up to the top of the mountain to look at all the earth and he's saying, It's all mine. Don't miss that point. It's all mine. It's been given to me and I can give it to whomever I want. That's what Satan's saying to Jesus. Okay? He says, so if you worship me, I'll give it all to you. What did Jesus come to do? He came to save the world. Let's fast forward to the Garden of Gethsemane. Is Jesus excited about the next day? Is Jesus excited about what's coming? No, he's about to do the hardest thing in all of his existence. He's about to lay down his life in a gruesome way. For the sin of all mankind. What's Satan saying right here to Jesus? Worship me, you can have a shortcut. Right? Worship me, we can come up with this another way. Worship me, and we'll come about this from a different angle, where you don't have to go die on a cross. I'll give it all to you. It's all mine already. Again, Jesus quotes scripture. It says, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And it, Okay, so now he can't get him to turn. He can't get him to turn. So what's he do next? Takes him to the top of the temple. This is where Satan gets real personal with Jesus. And he says, look, I know what the scriptures say. God's not going to let nothing happen to you. This is really important. Who's at the temple? People of God. The Israelites. The Jews. The last remaining people of God. Here's another interesting point that we're going to get to a little bit later, just in case you don't believe me now. Who's going to kill Jesus? It wasn't just the Romans, was it? It was the people of God. So here's the people Jesus comes to die for. Literally the people, the bloodline that Jesus comes to die for. God's people. And he's at the temple and he's looking down. And you don't think Jesus knows those are the people that are going to kill him? Just go ahead and throw yourself down. The angels will catch you before a rock puts a mark on you. Go ahead and just throw yourself down. All those people who don't believe in you, who are never going to believe in you, all those people who are going to have you killed later on, they'll believe in an instant. They will believe the second they see it. Do you think that's true? <clears throat> Jesus said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And then when the devil had ended his temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. So the first part of Satan's plan was to turn Jesus. Whether it's make him sin, whether it's turn him against God by worshiping him, or whether it's testing God to change the plan, the will of God. He couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. Well, what's he got left? 
What does he have left? He has made Israel sin in every single way. And we could, like I said, we could go through that list, but I'm not going to do that today. He has made Israel sin in every single, what is left? What is left to ruin God's plan for mankind? See, I see Satan's fingerprints all over this scripture right here. John 11. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. What did he do? He had just raised Lazarus from the dead, who had been dead for four days. Remember, we've discussed this in the past. Four days means the body is decomposing. Four days means when you open up the tomb, nobody's questioning whether Lazarus was asleep or not. Nobody's questioning misdiagnosis, okay? So they've just seen Lazarus raised from the dead. A whole bunch of Jews have seen Lazarus raised from the dead. They have changed their mind on Jesus. They are following Jesus. Jesus is gaining momentum from this moment. Let's not forget, he's so popular, he's hiding in the woods. They come and find him in the woods. He's so popular, he jumps on a boat, goes to the other side of the lake. They're sitting over there waiting on him. He can't get away from the crowds. Don't forget how popular Jesus is in this moment. He's popular till the day he dies. It wasn't but a couple days before he dies that he's got a group of people out in the place that he dies, laying down palm fronds to make sure, what? That his own donkey doesn't touch the ground. And it was a big enough group of people that the Romans, that the, the leaders of the Jews, they come out and they're like, this has got to end. He's like, go ahead and try to stop it. Even if you get these people to stop, the rocks will cry out for me today. So, they've just seen Lazarus raised from the dead. And it says, but some of them went to the Pharisees. Many believe, but some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, what are we to do? For this man performs many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. Does that sound like the people who are waiting for the Messiah? And the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. What are they worried about? They're worried about their nation. They're worried about their people. They're worried about their power. That's what they're worried about. They've got the Messiah sitting right here in front of him, raising people from the dead, and they're worried about losing their country. But one of them, Caiaphas, high priest, said, you know nothing at all nor do you understand that it is better for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. What's he saying right there? We're going to kill him. He did not say this on his own accord. Think about this. But being priest that year, he prophesied, look at this, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation. Not only for the nation, but also to gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. The high priest prophesied about what Jesus' sacrifice was going to mean. So that from that day on, they made plans to put him to death. This all happened knowing what they knew. Seeing what they've experienced.
So what does Satan do? He plays his last card, in my opinion. What's his last card? Well, I can't turn Jesus, so what will we do? We'll get God's people to kill him. That's what he does. Look, can you imagine a God that loves his people so much that he sends his son to save them? And what's the thanks he gets for it? They kill him. That seems like a game ender, doesn't it? That seems like it's over, right? It's certainly the last thing Satan can put between God and God's people that could possibly make him stop loving them. I wonder if Satan knew he had lost in this moment, Luke 23. Jesus is now on the cross. It says two others were, were, who were criminals were led away to be put to death with them. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, I wonder if Satan knew he had lost at this moment. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Let me give you another one. Oh, I'm missing the scripture. That's not good. Oh, I just put it out of place. John 20. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciples. This is the women who had, who had went to the tomb because they knew Jesus said he was going to raise in three days, right? The grave would only keep him for three days. So he goes to the tomb, and Jesus said to them, uh, Excuse me, let me just start over. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciples, and they were going towards the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw linen clothes lying there, but he did not go in. So when Simon Peter came, following him, he went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloth lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded up in a place by itself. Remember how I told you there's like little details? Look at every single line. Did you know that there's a custom with the Jews that when the master was eating, and he needed to get up and go, to, go away from the table for a minute, if he was done eating, he was done and it was time to clear the plate leave it alone it's gone he's not coming back he would leave his napping crumpled up on his plate but if he was going to come back maybe he just had to go for a bathroom break or something but he had to, he was going to come back if there was a plan to come back he would fold up his napkin so the servant when they came to clean up they would know wait leave it he's coming back you notice that last little line in this scripture right here it's the little napkin that covers Jesus' face. It's singled out. What's it say it's done to it? Is it crumpled up on the, on the floor? Is it crumpled up at the place? No, what's it done? It's folded up. What's Jesus telling everybody? I'm coming back. So, you think he knew when the tomb was empty? You think Satan had known he had lost when the tomb was empty? What about Acts 2? 
Here's that moment. Look, many of the people that Peter is talking to in this moment were people who were there to witness the crucifixion. Many of the people were there yelling, crucify. Many of the people were there yelling, give us Barabbas. And Peter says, let all the house of Israel therefore know that for certain that God had made him, being Jesus, both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. So here it is. You've got the apostle Peter saying exactly what Satan wants to hear. This has got to be music to his ears. God's people crucified, killed, destroyed the Messiah. says, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Sounds like that prophecy from Caiaphas, doesn't it? See, Satan was trying to figure out what he could do. <laughs> what he could do to separate you, to separate me, to separate them from the love of God. That's what he's been doing throughout the whole Testament. You know, Paul was a Pharisee. You know, it was the Pharisees that were instrumental in setting up Jesus. You know, Paul was Saul before he was Paul, right? And Saul was the famous persecutor of the beginning of the church. He was literally the one going around being responsible for the murder, imprisonment, and the fear that was instilled in the beginnings of the church. But this is what Paul wrote. I think he got it. I think he understood. And I think we all need to get there. Because once you get to this point, life changes. Life is freer. Life is full of hope, full of joy, full of love. All that hate and that bitterness, it starts to go away. It can't come in the same way it used to anymore. Once you realize that there is nothing, Satan has thrown everything already in the middle of our relationship with God. We've already done everything we possibly could do against God. We killed his son. You say, I wasn't there. If you sinned, he died for your sin. Remember this, Jesus himself said, no one kills me, I lay it down my life. I lay it down. I lay it down. No one kills me, I lay it down. Why? Because of the sin of the people. Because of my love for my people. Paul says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or COVID, nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is the story of Easter. That's the real story of Easter. 
Satan thought he had won. Satan thought he had finally put that thing in between us and God that could not be repaired. And in that moment, he was actually signing his own doom. Because he didn't know what we know now, which is there is nothing. There's nothing you've done in your past. There's nothing you're doing in your present. And there's nothing you're going to do in your future that can separate you from the love of God. You know, there's only one thing in this whole world that can separate you from the love of God. I say this all the time, and I'm never going to stop saying it because it's true. There's only one thing in the whole world that can separate you from the love of God. Do you know what that is? It's you. It's you. See, the gospel is a gift from God. We just have to choose it. You either choose to live for Christ or you choose to live for yourself. You either choose to believe or you choose not to believe. You either choose to be godly or you choose to be godless. The choice is still yours today. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Look, there is only one way to God the Father, and that is Jesus Christ. Have you accepted him as your Lord and Savior? Have you been washed in the blood through baptism? Have you repented of your old life, turned course to start following God, not yourself anymore? For those of us who have, I pray in our doubt, in our fear, in our moments of weakness, in our moments of bad decision, in our moments where we just don't feel like God could possibly love us anymore, I pray we never forget that there is nothing. There's nothing that hasn't already been done, and there is nothing that we can do to separate us from the love of God. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If there's any reason to respond to the invitation today, you can come as together we stand and sing.
It's always, uh, always good to have friends in low places, so <laughs> I'll take it. So anyways, uh, Matt, thank you for the sermon this morning. Uh, he goes along with this, the, the sermons that he's done on God as being faithful. He served from Genesis, and he's worked his way this far. He's going to go back, keep backtracking. Those are available on archive. If you want to look at them on YouTube, you want to look at my Facebook Live, and they're all there. YouTube's probably got the best interface to find those. Um, anyways, if you want to look at some of that stuff, it's there. Um, so that's the thing that he's been tying into. And his, his message is very powerful. Um, Satan's worked very hard to separate us from God. He's told a lot of lies that the church is closed. He's told, told a lot of lies that, you know, everything needs to happen this way. Um, we've learned a lot of truth, a lot of wisdom God put in place from the start. We've learned to worship with two or three. We've learned to worship in our own homes or in the home of another. We've learned to love one another as he has loved us. How much, whoever saw that you would loan a roll of toilet paper to somebody? You know, have you, that you would pick up two packs of chicken to share one with a neighbor, hoping that, you know, because you might not get another one. Who ever thought about that? We've also learned to look out for the least of us, you know, whether it's the wearing the masks or, or the social distancing. We've looked out for the very least of us. Um, one of those things that I know that kind of is a segue, we've checked on our neighbors. We've checked on one another, kept in touch. We've sent cards. Lauren and Lydia, are you still here? Come over here. Please. <laughs> All right. Not everybody knows Lauren and Lydia. I haven't seen Lauren and Lydia in a year, so they've grown a lot. If you can stand like right here, this is the best place. Lauren and Lydia have sent out a couple cards apiece each week all year long, right? Yes. If you received that card, you're both blessed and cursed because I know it was a tough time usually if they sent you a card. But these girls kept it up all year long, sending out encouragement. We love you very much for that, right? Okay. You want to go back to your seat? Okay. It's from the heart. It's from the parents. It's from the grandparents. Uh, it's very encouraging. Like I say, it's, it's alive. Um, Lads of Leaders was this weekend. It was very different than it has been in the past. We went over this year for Lads of Leaders to help. We knew it would be smaller. It was. Uh, we were there to judge because they would need that kind of thing. We didn't put together a real program this year. Uh, some of the kids caught wind of us going. They wanted to do something. I know Kevin worked on songs so he could go over. The schedule just didn't work out real well. Um, Isabella worked on a song and again, life just kind of got in the way. Jamie worked on a speech and she was able to give that. But we went over to keep, keep the program going, something we've done in the past, and uh, just being there, I've missed some of that. I've missed the pearls class we've had, the Bible Bowl. So anyways, we'll get that rolling again. But anyways, um, one note on that, kind of, it's a little strange. It's usually in the Rosen Hotel, and many of us have been over there for uh, SunQuest or for the uh, Spiritual Growth Workshop or whatever that's become. Um, it's been closed for a year. They said there are bats flying around in the building. They said they went over in February to, I don't know if, as Rosen's thought about opening it again, but there's bats in the building as nature takes back over. It's a big place. Um, so I tried to look last night to see if they had a light shine on the clouds, you know, calling in Batman, but it's <laughs> just true, they had the bats. So anywho, um, on to other things though. Um, pick up a bulletin. We got paper copies here. There's one available online on Facebook. I'm sure email will go out too. Um, some, there's a lot of good stuff in there. We've got a calendar. We've got um, 
I've got an article. I've got a schedule for what our Sundays are. There's birthdays, there's anniversaries, and uh, unfortunately, there's a prayer list for those who need prayers. Um, a couple updates to that prayer list. Gary Martin, who is a former preacher here, uh, Gary was in ICU earlier in the week. Uh, he is out of ICU and in a regular room now, so if you uh, can pray for Gary. And also, Rita Smith. Rita Smith um, has a mass on her lung and uh, has pneumonia. She's in surgical ICU in Melbourne at Holmes Regional. So uh, please, please, please keep Rita in your prayers and her family too. And I have a card here from the nobles, Irvin and Lynn. Dear church family, how can words even begin to express the emotions of the heart? Lynn and I can tell you enough how thank can't tell you enough how thankful we are for all of you, our family. We thank you for our for your love, your prayers, your thoughtfulness, and all the help that's been provided to us. This tragedy is incomprehensible. We don't know how, we don't know or understand why it happened. However, we do know that our Lord God is almighty and always in control. We ask you all continue to pray for our family and to pray for justice to be done. We love you all and thank you all from the bottom of our hearts. Christian love, Urban and Lynn Nobles. I'll put that in a bulletin board down the hall so you can read that too. All right. Um, this evening at 5 o'clock, we're going to have a, a service for, for those who still aren't comfortable um, being around more people. At 5 o'clock, we're going to have a mask-required service. It'll be a video of this morning's service. We'll just play it again. It gives us plenty of singing to sing with if it's only a few people. Um, it's a stepping stone. That's what it is for right now. So for those who feel that's more comfortable for them, I encourage you to come. For those who would like to encourage those who are just kind of, that's where they're at. It's a good place too, you know. Give people lots of space. But if you want to come sing and be a smiling face, that's a positive thing. So that'll be a tonight at 5, mask required, social distancing required. Uh, Wednesday night at 7, we have an auditorium Bible class. Matt's going to teach in here. It'll also be on Facebook Live and on YouTube. No, it's not Matt. It's Mike. I'm sorry. We've changed that thing. Mike is going to be our Wednesday night teacher. It'll be every Wednesday night, so he'll be here as well as live. I'm sorry. We're starting a new series on James. On James. So, I'm my mistake. Uh, and next Sunday, back to, uh, well, we're going to have class at 9. we have worship at 10. And worship again at 5. So, we hope to see you then. One last thing, it's Easter. We don't have an egg hunt this year. Uh, last year it was really easy. All you had to drive, do is drive by and they would just give you candy. So um, it's a lot like that. Matt's kids are out in the uh, foyer. Uh, they got bags, they got gloves, they got masks. I'm sure he sprayed them down with hand sanitizer because kids are clean, man. Just, <laughs> just whatever. Uh, anyways, there's baggies with goodies out there. You know, quite honestly, what would it be without it? So it's good to see all of y'all, and I uh, hope to see you again next Sunday morning. Eight fifty-three. When we all get to heaven, we'll sing. We'll sing. I don't know what verses are up there, so let's sing till it stops. I guess I forgot to write it down. Sing the wondrous love of Jesus, sing his mercy and his grace. In the mansions bright and blessed, he'll prepare for us a
place when we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus. We'll sing and shout the victory. Let us then be true and faithful, trusting, serving every day. Just one glimpse of him in glory will the toils of life repay. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we We'll sing and shout the victory. Hallelujah. It's good to be here this morning, huh? All of us? Amen. Uh, I realized something over this social distancing time that uh, um, I can't sing. Um, there's not many people around. And, uh, Thank goodness some of you ladies um, sound like angels. BB behind me, I couldn't even, I sound like a rock star this morning with BB behind me. So, hey, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I'd like to thank you for this beautiful morning, Father. As we learned this morning of, of how you made the sacrifice, Father, for us, and you were laid in that tomb, and how you were risen, and that we can trust and believe in everything that you told us, Father. Um, Father, as I look around this morning, You've been risen again. We all believe. We're all here. We're all worshiping and praising you and giving thanks to you, Father. And this church is, is amazing, Father. And uh, the love that we have here for each other and this congregation, our community, is amazing. And it's all because of you, Father, because we know what you've told us is true and we believe it in our hearts. Father, we ask you to be with those that are sick, be with those that are in the military, Father. Be with those that uh, are still uh, weary about coming out amongst the crowds, Father. We love them more than they'll ever know. Father, as we leave here, we just want you to ask you to guide us, guard us, and forgive us of our sins. In Jesus' name, amen.